the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 222 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Alex Jones. No Jack Harper this week. He didn't give me an excuse, so could be the most trivial thing in the world. Could be worse, got the better of him. Or it could be something drastically serious. So <laughs> Who knows? He left the door open for speculation when he didn't tell me. Dangerous um, on this pod. Uh, I will say, um, Sean always complains about kind of not getting the invite. Um, you'll enjoy this, Alex. I did ask him. Uh, if he wanted to join us, he says he's got a bad cold. Oh um, my god! The last message oh. he sent me was, um, <laughs> "This will this will get you." Um, he said, "I always suffer badly with them cold." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He said, um, yeah, yeah. "I'm a doubt." He said, "I'm a doubt for the Thursday pod as well." Oh my word, Jesus! This bro- this guy is a mystery. I, I literally, I don't know. <laughs> He is the Mesut Ozil of the pod, and not in and not the good side of Mesut Ozil either. It's a lot of prime. Sean is the Mesut Ozil without a prime. <laughs> well, um, if things go to plan, we will have the return of the Charmer um, coming a little bit later. So I said we'd get on the news of the week, and then he'd join us a little bit later. So kick things off. Police are investigating a suspected drug dealer's alleged use of a drone to deliver heroin. It's the future. That's one of them, like, when you play a football manager and you've got a great squad and you get to the transfer window and you just see the money sitting there. (laughs) What can I do here? This bloke's got a reasonably well-run operation here. And he's just up, <laughs> updated to using a drone to distribute for no apparent reason. Um, we continue your undefeated record if you can link foot one you're back to just about well, exactly. it. can always become back. I've, I've just started a new save, actually. I'm taking a Deportivo La Coruña uh, back, back to the to top. Would you believe they're in Division 3 now? I know, I know. Wow. Palermo are as well. So it was a choice between those two. And I've, uh, I've opted for Deportivo La Coruña. Got in all the free agents that were available. So, like, all of my budget is on Diego Costa, who <laughs> no one else wanted, and he's a free agent. I've got Sami Nasri in. I've got Jackie Wilsh. I've got uh, Antonio Valencia. You've got some so, problems in that dressing room. We're seeing how things go at the moment. Um, 
and a couple of young Brazilian lads. So we'll see how we go. Um, Quebec man steals police car arresting. Quebec man steals the police car arresting him for stealing another police car. (laughs) (laughs) He plays the game. Meatloaf is making a dating competition show called I'd Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Um, oh, God, he's in rock bottom. Sounds like it could go well. <laughs> I, I look every week to see if there's enough out there for us to bring back. I can't believe that was on TV. But uh, things are dying down, it seems, and no one wants to go too outrageous. But there is a show in America at the moment that's basically one of them where it's under the guise of like, uh, we're testing how your brain works and things like this. And the latest thing they had was they timed who could do a Sudoku Sudoku puzzle quickest while skydiving. So that's the way it's going. So hopefully they get a bit power mad and just go mental with it. Um, Personal trainer afraid of sweat wins disability claim. (laughs) I feel like you've got to know what business you're getting into there. Uh, a Florida mum showed up to her daughter's school wearing a boxing glove superglued to her hand, then fought a child and got arrested. <laughs> Florida woman. Yeah. Godzilla vs. Kong's director regrets not making the two kiss. <laughs> Don't know if that's worrying for what the film could be like, Alex, if that's his regret there. Um <laughs> French monks locked down with 2.8 tons of cheese pray for buyers. <laughs> um, scientists are sizzling sausages on the lava from Iceland's erupting volcano. So you, these scientists, I've got a real gripe with them. Time to spend on this nonsense. Um, brutal video shows man getting rejected after opposing to girlfriend while dressed like Ben 10. It is a brutal video, actually, because it's one of them where he's taken the plunge and proposed in like a like a food court in the in the middle of it, where everyone's got their phones out, knowing what's going on, and it's one of them where she just walks away, and he's got the the thing where like early world star videos where people just scream. Like that video of the kid, the rap battle kid just right past the camera. It's like that. People just go mental and then realise no. patting him on the back. Uh, <laughs> this one, I really wish you could see the picture. Man with upside down head puts life on hold after catching COVID. What? He does uh, literally what? have an upside down head. <laughs> oh you, need, you need to see this picture. Um it feels a bit cruel if I just kind of add it to our social media with the guise of just so you know what we were laughing at before. <laughs> but, you put yeah, it into it, the spitballing bod chat. Uh, I will do in a bit. Um, just trying to add Connor now, but um, I think this is him. Oh, he's here. Random Connor being added. Um, <laughs> uh, a 60 foot long worm was found in a patient's abdomen. Ugh. Just no, just absolutely not. Uh, a Cheeto that resembled Arnold Schwarzenegger is on sale for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> 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 
the day, the day that you do. Do you remember like the first? The first thing that I can remember seeing of something like this was like somebody had cooked something like a saucepan, and the residue formed the face of Jesus Christ, and it sold for like similar sort of money. It's just like how many times can you try and recreate that in your own home to try and sell something for ridiculous money and claim it's like divine intervention or in this case divine Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Um... <laughs> if there's someone out there willing to pay the price, then you've got to roll with these things. Um, so there we go. Have we got the charmer here? I'm here. The champ is here. All right. Well, we're just finishing off news of the week, so uh, you still got what? Actually, that was that was the last headline. So good timing. Um, in terms of the things being on sale for ten grand, do you remember um, the Flappy Bird phase where? People claim, that always seems to be the case, they claimed that the people that made it were too overwhelmed and were going to kill themselves and instead just took the app down. And all it takes is someone just listing something on eBay for like £100,000. No one buys it, but then you get a load of headlines. Phones with Flappy Bird on sale for £100,000 online. (laughs) (laughs) People say, I'll be selling my phone as if not everyone would be thinking of that. So there we go. We mentioned it earlier, Alex. I got this question here specifically for you. Um, So Godzilla vs. Kong comes out this Wednesday, um, Thursday in England. So it depends uh, whether you've got a good VPN on your laptop or not. But in the style of Godzilla vs. Kong, and we'll go to you first, Alex, which other movie clashes would you like to see? Movie clashes? Oh, characters in films? Yeah, or clashing each other. Cra- I've sent you the list of, of questions. He's done the prep. <laughs> I, would, I, would like to, I would like to see, it's, it's big, it, like um, big in the way things look at the moment, with one being particularly one-sided in terms of success compared with the other, to a certain extent, is a DC versus Marvel clash like they did with the comics. Imagine, like, I don't know how they pull it off, but obviously when the DC Marvel did the crossover, something similar on a film level, that seems like the natural progression of stuff if comic book comic book films are going to get any bigger, any bigger anyway. Do you have any for us, TK? I've got Chaz from Wedding Crashes versus Donnie Berger from That's My Boy. I do actually have a Donny Berger film as well. Um, him clashing Imhotep from The Mummy. <laughs> oh. I think that could be a banger of a film. That is a clash of styles, for sure. Um, if you if you want to go down the old school route, um, we're going to bring Buzz Lightyear out of retirement to face off against Chip Hazard from Small Soldiers. Um, he's finished with the Gorgonites, and he's moving on. Uh the T-1000 against Predator. Predators battled Border Jason, Alien, and everything else. So uh, moving on to Arnie. The film I've been pitching for years. Freddy Krueger against Chev Chelios from Crank. He has to stay <laughs> awake so he doesn't get taken down by Freddy Krueger. We get Red Bull in as a sponsor. All these things just to keep him awake. Jason Statham will do anything, so. Uh, but they never, they're never going to clash. Then it's just, it's just. Well, about Freddy Krueger not... trying to get to him. Obviously, as always, never fight. These things happen, and uh, there'll be a way that they, 
they go down. Maybe he has he has a bit of a bender to try and stay awake. Ends up getting knocked out. <laughs> they clash in there. Uh, the last one I had actually was um, two pack against Biggie. If we like bring them back as zombies and they can have like a hood zombie war, um, I'll finally see who wins. I'd be firmly team Biggie, but we'll see how we go. You would. Optimus Prime, if you want to bring in the Power Rangers. They tried bringing it back. Didn't go well. But <laughs> could be a little, could be a good clash there. Anyway, from uh, some fairly even battles there to a relationship that's very one-sided, Gareth Bale spoke about Tottenham this week. He's since tried to clarify the comments, but we all know what he said. Um He's, he's treated Spurs like a side chick here and put them on blast. He came out and said, going into the Euros, I wanted to match fit. The original plan was to do a season at Spurs and after the Euros, still have a year left at Real Madrid. My plan is to go back. That's as far as I've planned. Alex, that's a kick in the teeth. Oh, yeah, for sure. I he's mean, using you as a gym. Basically. <laughs> he hasn't done that to much success either. But uh, I think it's... It's obviously a he can try and call like call it back all he wants, but ultimately it is a lash out for like effectively not being the main man and maybe not getting what he wants from the arrangement. I think it was always going to be one of those relationships where success breeded a better relationship and failure would be like a well, you know, I'm going back to Madrid anyway kind of attitude. But yeah, it's not. It is a bit of a kick of the teeth. It's disrespectful in a lot of ways, and wanna... it's it, you, you just you, it kind of it does tarnish. It does tarnish the image I had of him as a Spurs player, and it kind of does make that. I just it, it it's not it, it it tarnishes the image I had, and it makes the the move away that he did have just that all that more. He didn't really you know, care too much. It was just the right. If he goes on now though, and scores like the winner in the Europa League final, then you'd forgive him, surely. (laughs) Actually, I forgot. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Alex. (laughs) You're talking about the, uh, you're talking about the Carabao Cup final. (laughs) What I was going to say was, that was so sneaky, isn't that? It's so spiteful, isn't it? If we went back and looked at all the Spurs fans' tweets from when he was giving it the um, Wales Golf Madrid and the disrespect there, I bet we'd see a nice comparison now <laughs> to the reaction to these comments about being disrespectful. Maybe he just needs to go and play in the Welsh League. He, he, he loves it there. He'll just be able to ball out on a Saturday. They probably won't even ask him to train. Do whatever he fancies. Um, So he he clarified then after Wales' last game, they asked him, have you seen Spurs fans clearly aren't aren't too chirpy with you? And he said, uh, obviously going into next season, legally my contract says I have to go back to Madrid, which is all I stated. I don't think that's being disrespectful to anybody. That is legally what I have to do. Real Madrid are, I guess, my parent club. And as far as I agreed, I was on Tottenham alone to the end of the season and then I go back. That's the plan so far. I don't know if that makes it... He's not pleading his case there, really. He's just saying, I'm just being honest with you. Who's in charge of his PR? 
yeah <laughs> they didn't they really didn't even either, either if it was like a, a tactful kind of to penny for your penny for your thoughts kind of i want to get my own back a little bit here because he feels like he's been wronged um or is just sheer stupidity neither of which is a great look probably international break rumors but um if you get the transfer gossip today they say he's not committing because he's angling for a move to chelsea <laughs> that would be superb. Would be nice to see Jack backtrack on that. <laughs> I, I was speaking to um, Connor Palmer, and I think we've had this chat, TK, where we were saying that um, as the Declan Rice move looked more realistic for Chelsea, like he was slowly dialing back on the pod each week with criticism. <laughs> he didn't want to say something that he might regret like a week later. Nothing too incriminating about Rice. Um, but we'll get onto him later when we talk about England. So I feel like with Bale, I feel like Bale's like a perfect example of how money can send you kind of a little bit mental. You know where you're like you're you're so rich that you're so far out of touch that you yeah. kind of think you can just give an interview like this, and there's no real ramifications for you because you're just so far away from everyone else. You know, like is somebody is somebody who's kind of like. He already has probably achieved what he realise he realizes he's mm. going to achieve. I mean, he's got he's won league titles over in Spain and he's won the Champions League. He's not going to win a World Cup or or uh, the Euros with Wales, hopefully anyway. Um, but um, but it probably he's he's peaked. You know, he's past the peak. Everybody knows that. So it's kind of you know oh, look, football. Bit, football for him isn't as much of a priority as it once was. If he's not interested in winning trophies, stay at Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> with, with what you said there, TK, about his PR, you know, like um, being out of touch. Back in the day, the go-to for journalists would be, uh, do you know how much a pint of milk is? And then when the person <laughs> hesitates, uh, we got you. We got you now. You don't appreciate these things too. He's forgot he's where he came from. This is basically what Asu Okoto would be like if he was good. Like, <laughs> he's showing Spurs now. Just, I'm, I'm sure it's one of them. I don't think he dislikes football. It's probably just, it's, it's just there. I'm sure he'd rather be playing than be sat on the bench. But at the same time, he's not gutted to be sat on the bench. Maybe just, I, I, no, no, I, I, he's, he's fallen out. Look, like we said on the pod a few weeks ago, he's fallen out of love with it unquestionably, and his time at Madrid towards the end has definitely helped amplify that. But I don't, you, he, a Suicotto, to draw comparisons to Suicotto and any other footballers who have said the similar thing, like they just see football as a job. I don't, you don't get, you're not, you can't be that good at football as he was. You can't be that good and just see it as a job. You've got to, in sport at that level, it has got to be a sheer in and out passion. You can't just, like, I think it's a relationship that's changed in the late, most recent year couple of years or so rather than something is attitude full stop and I don't think it's the same environment that it once was for him I think he's oh, it's, look he, he got he got married in the sex dried up that's all it is that's, the relationship's changed yeah. he's not he's, yeah, yeah. he doesn't love her as much as when he first got married to her and a lot of people would say you've got to make relationship, relationships take work and he hasn't been putting in the work now he's got to go play away for a bit you'd, you'd away with his golf girlfriends next year wouldn't you Ale- <laughs> wouldn't you Charmer no, not you anymore. Would. I bet you would. Come you have a winger. It's the position they need the least, yet they seem to they be all in for a winger every year. 
I'm still holding out for um, Douglas Costa. <laughs> I, I've Give heard it Sancho. Hasn't he been linked away anyway? Well, for Britzio, so, I tweeted the other day that he's... Um, he's, 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 a, Bayern, he's a Bayern now, isn't he? That they're not yeah, going to take up the option. He's a TikToker now. <laughs> you see, when he posted the other day, the drip in that pink suit. <laughs> oh. he's, he's going back to Brazil, they, they say, but I thought he was only about 30, 31. There must have been like a load of money pumped into these South American leagues because like Boca are being linked with just about everyone on the market. If you believe the rumours, they're in for what? Like Aguero, Romero, Cavani this summer. Sign Rojo, didn't they? I think it's probably Romero. just journos thinking, right, what South American clubs do I know? Right, we'll go with them. We'll link them with them. Well, I saw um, Erdegaard linked with nine teams in one day yesterday. <laughs> the international break is not kind to journalists. Carnage. Um, I've, I've just L- read Liverpool uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, Chelsea and Liverpool, I've read. PSG, um, I saw all sorts. Uh, but we'll see how we go. Um, so it's fair to say you feel disrespected, Alex. Yeah, I feel I don't feel disrespected personally, but I think he could have been. <laughs> I could have called you out in the yeah, yeah. in particular. He ruined, he destroyed my trust. And I think the way he's the way he's. The way, to be honest, from start to finish, since he's been back at the club, his body language at games, his level involvement with the squad, his interactions, um, his performances on the pitch when the momentum hasn't been in his favour, and now this, I don't think his general demeanour and his attitude has been respectful at all. But this is probably one of the worst things he can do. I think he'll know it was a mistake because it's going to make his the remainder of his time at the club throughout the season a more difficult one, um, unless he suddenly pulls out like a ridiculous performance and goes and kisses the badge in front of the fan. Uh, well, not in front of the fans, but in front of an empty stadium with the fans watching on TV. I don't think I don't think there is a lot that he could do to recover the situation now. I think it's what he said is very true. He knew he needed to go to a club where he'd be, he'd have it easy. Where he thought he'd have it easy, he maybe thought he'd get easy game time because, I mean, he's a well, he's a club staple, and it hasn't gone that way. And now I think he's lashing out a little bit in the comments that he made because he, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to. I'm not calling him like a, you know, a, a political or you know, marketing genius. So sometimes, and you know, you can eat, you can take football, you can take what people say and put a motive behind it. That's entirely different to what they intend. But, you know, these, these players, they're, they're educated in how to handle press now. I mean, the one thing that I'm sick of is them covering their mouths on the pitch. He does <laughs> that all the time, you know, so he knows what he should and shouldn't do. Comments like that. He knows the fan base. He knows what he meant. He should. I hope he knows what he meant to some of those fans and the excitement that was about him coming back and how he's handled it is just not good at all. And yes, you can turn around and go, well, if results were different, if maybe he was given more game time, there's a bit of an argument for that. 
uh, ultimately they're all you can hand him all the excuses you want the bottom line is he's now gone and done that and made a mistake and unfortunately that has put quite a it's tarnished his reputation at the club now I think in a way which hopefully in a few years time he'll regret doing I think you know it could have been a very different occasion if If, uh, things were handled differently if we slide on we'll go on to uh, England um so two games in the past week, this still got one more of this hellish international break. Um, you love an international break. I, I mean, I did earlier in the season when I just wanted to not have to watch Arsenal lose. That <laughs> <game>. <laughs> you it's probably want it to extend as frequent as it has been now. So uh, you've I'd got Liverpool on, have, on the way back, though, haven't you? Yeah, I'd rather have played him while uh, I say. Well, while we were in form after just drawing 3-3 three, three with uh, West Ham, but um, we, hey, we were at hey, least scoring yeah, goals and West, 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 West conceding half. goals. West Ham are a tough team. I've been there, mate. I've been there. 3-3 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> three, 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 three comebacks. Uh, two very yeah, different 3-3s. Three, I'd rather have gone <laughs> straight into it, but uh, unfortunately not. So, England played San Marino Albania this week. The, the games were as uh, uninspiring as they sound. Um, so the question is, have, have we learned anything? Um, Southgate suggested after England's 5-0 win over San Marino that he could already name his 11 for the opening game of the summer's European Championships. Oh boy. Um, he did then quickly try and clarify <laughs> and say, other contenders still have a chance to show good form, good level of quality and the opportunity to change that thinking. But he says he was asked if the game was tomorrow, would he know his best team? And he believes he does. Should should we be worried about that? Because you'd assume he's taken that from what he's seen, and I don't know if we've seen what he has clearly. I so think he has of... his, his trust, doesn't he, in mm, yeah. a select few players, and the fact that he said tournament experience counts for quite a lot is probably quite worrying, in a sense. So Harry Kane, Harry Kane, somehow Deli Ali, Eric Dyer, Raheem <laughs> Sterling. Yeah. Well, who, who do we say are the guarantees in a starting lineup? Because I'd assume, are we saying the keepers nailed on? I'll, I'll tell you the starting lineup for the first game. Well, just let's, first of all, let's just go through his guarantee. And then, and then, Charma's got an inside knowledge. No, 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 no Luke, you've got to, Luke, Luke, you've got to give Charma the, the floor here, otherwise we're going to lose him and Garrett, like Gareth sure. Bale, for Christ's sake. Let him give us eleven, and we'll say who we think are definites in there. And we this is this is what I think he. This is what I think. That's he what you think play. he will do. Yeah, not not yeah. your his. Pickford, in goal. Back three: Walker, Maguire, Stones. Right wing back: James. Left wing back: Shaw. Uh, Henderson and Rice sitting. Mount in front of them. Sterling and Kane up front. That's a disgusting lineup. I, I, I think he won't be far off there. Yeah. Well, I, I'd have to agree. I'd be amazed. Him, go, who, who him going forward in the back in his last two games is interesting. Yeah. Because he normally hasn't mm. deviated from those yeah. three. Well, if if we say we think to definite, so you, do we think the keeper's definite as Pickford? Do we think if Pickford's I'd, fit, then there's not a consideration for the others. I would say after Pope's performance, I thought he. With his feet, it was terrible the other day. I think he, I saw, at one point he nearly well, he, he passed it to one of their players, didn't he? And um, mm. I, I just can't see him starting him just because of his feet. 
I think I he, he likes Pickford. Brought up every time, and it's weird that it's attributed to Joe Hart mainly, who you'd think it would go well with him, saying that he was told that the last thing England need is a goalkeeper with personality. <laughs> and <laughs> you would think Pickford is the absolute nightmare for that, because this thing about that he always performs for England, he, he has had the big moments, quite obviously, but he has also had some some stinky moments that kind of bit overshadowed. It's not like he's been an absolute rock. I mean, because he, he made some saves in that Columbia game and then at the same time he was palming it down at their feet and all sorts. Mm. I think Nick Pope should be the guy, but I, I do agree with you that I think Southgate's pretty set on Pickford. I think there's a, <laughs> the three goalkeepers that we've got a complete there's like a scale Pickford it's too much personality Pope seems like he's got no personality and then Henderson's in the middle and it's just yeah. a case of where what does he go for um, I think we're all pretty certain that Maguire's the first name in that defence for uh, Southgate are we not? I think Maguire and Stones are set yeah I think the season Stones, Stones has as well. means he's he's kind of he can not be picked now, doesn't he? He seems can't to have go gone a tour. bit cold on Mings, doesn't he? Yeah. A little. You can't go on yeah. tour without the fridge either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see who else breaks them up, really. No, there's no one else really like pushing Gomez, the door. Is Gomez, Gomez won't if, be fit. Mike no, it does seem to quite like Connor Cody. Mm, I, don't, I don't think you'll start him, though. And then Shaw, do you, do you think Shaw's a, a banker for Southgate now? He does like Shaw well, though, doesn't he? Mm. I think I think Shaw, you know, the, the season he's having, I think he has to start. Since since Saka's been in the squad, he's played Saka at fullback twice. Um, I don't think that's his best position, but if he thinks we're attacking, I'm just saying he doesn't seem set on a left fullback, so I don't know. Chilwell's not going to help, but he's not playing for Chelsea. I think yeah, if... I, I would take um, you on if it's tomorrow. I'd have Shaw as my uh, left back and Saka as a sort of contingency. I think the Poland game will tell you a lot, whoever he starts there. Because they both did well in the week. So I think whoever yeah, starts yeah, in the next one. I won't rule out Danny Rose getting a call up. <laughs> <laughs> what about so, trips? What about trips? Well, I think the right fullback is about as unconvincing a position for... Yeah. So Ian Wright actually was quite critical of Southgate this week and he said it, it, it was wrong. He, I think he called it cowardly in one article and he just said it was out of order for Southgate to blame form for dropping Trent. He said, just be honest and say to him that the way such and such is playing, I prefer, I prefer what Rhys James offers to what you offer. I think he's a favourite for the job at the minute as well, isn't he? I think James, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the... He's he's been in out of the Chelsea side as well. Yeah. I, think, I, I don't see what Trippier offers any more set pieces, pretty much. But then I, mean, I think Trent, he's doing well. Trent and I don't think James forward, is... If if you look at the number of assists and stuff he's racking up, but is that you know we we know what Trippier brings? Like you said, is that better than Trent even? 
a Trent who hasn't been at his best this year, I would probably say not for me. Um, if mm. I'd feel safer with Trippier than Reese James. Yeah. Well, well I think know. Trippier offers just as much going forward, and I'd rather have him defensively than Reese James. I would say he's probably learnt a lot playing with Simeone. Mm. He's probably helped him defensively, defensively massively, but I just think James is, more, I would say, more of a threat going forward. I think James is, is his guy at the moment, I think. He does seem to be, doesn't he? Also, don't think Trent's form is as bad as Southgate has, has made out. Like If it was a full-strength Liverpool team and Trent was thinking the gap out, then yeah. I understand it a bit more, but... And it, ironically, it is at a time when his form is probably picking up slowly that he's dropped him. Yeah, he should have just been honest. Like he was honest with with Trippier and Walker the, the times, wasn't he? He was pretty straight up, and he was yeah, like, yeah. Like, we're looking at these other options, which I think is what Ian Wright was trying to get out. But uh... he's never really played him though, has he? Trent, he's never really gave him a run of games. Not fancied him, has he? Walker should probably consider to... himself unlucky <laughs> if he doesn't get a start. To be fair, who? Sorry. Walker can probably consider himself unlucky if he doesn't get a start. He's been playing well this year. Yeah, he seems to not get a centre back though, doesn't he? And I'm, oh, mm. I'm not sure about that one bit. If you are going the three, I, I can see why you'd put yeah. him there, but Good that's pace, only because yeah. you don't trust the other two. So you think you need someone rapid next to him. He was, ropey in, he was ropey in the three at the, at the World Cup. Mm. I think if he plays four at the back, he, Walker would be right back, I think. But I think if it's Interesting. the wing back, it would be James. Um. Midfield, then are we set because Henderson? Um, he's kind of spoken about this week saying, Look, Hen- we can only go by what the specialists are saying. They're telling us that as much as Henderson will be available to be in the squad, he said we've got to take into account that he won't have much big game match sharpness. Um, looked like he was kind of paving the way for him, other not still, he's not going to be in the squad, but certainly he, he isn't convinced there. Um, Declan Rice, I think, we're pretty solid on the fact that he's going to be starting. Do you not think? That's his boy, isn't it? I mean, uh, he's somehow will... work around it, isn't it, with Southgate? He he actually spoke again about Mason Mount after the game <laughs> on Sunday. He said, uh, um, "He's a very good player." I was saying this in the autumn, but I suppose now Thomas Tuchel is picking him. Everyone will agree. When it was Frank Lampard, it just didn't count for some reason. <laughs> Going up to bat for his boy Frank. Throwing shade. Mount does seem to be... Maybe he's one of those guys, and I'm not saying he doesn't perform for Chelsea. He obviously does. He obviously is a very good player. I think our, maybe putting our foot down was partly because Jack was singing like... Uh, he, he was the second coming of Kaka. Uh, <laughs> but also, just quite how Southgate was going to bat for him so I don't think anyone's disagree there and he may be one of those guys who does turn up for England like we, we've had them previously um, when certain players just perform well for their country and Mason Mount does seem to be doing a good job Danny Welbeck legend Wele <laughs> never forget Welle. the game against Switzerland I had a, I had a bet on him to be first scorer at 11-1 he scored put a five on him again at 12-1 to be second scorer Went and scored again. <laughs> Over the moon. Actually led to Goff blocking me on Snapchat. I kept <laughs> messaging him pictures of Welle and he was <laughs> disgusted with it. Um, so we got, we're saying Mount and Rice are pretty solidly confirmed in that midfield. Kane, uh, 
I don't think I don't, we tried briefly to make the case that England might be better without him. Uh, <laughs> not sure that's the case, but and I'm not sure that was ever going to be in Southgate's consideration. Connor, you tried making the case as well, so don't try looking at this like this is just us. When was that? Uh, probably end of last season. No, it would have been just as Calvert Lewin was coming through at the start of the season. I can probably go back and find the messages if we really need to. I, I don't think that was me. I don't think I was involved in those shenanigans. <laughs> He's distanced himself from it. We certainly made the case as a podcast. Um, Alex may not have dipped his oar in there, but me, TK and Jack, we, we, we certainly asked the question as to whether that was the case. And uh, You probably want to put Nketiah up front. <laughs> don't get, no, I've, I'm not on the Nketiah wagon, so you don't need to uh, <laughs> sell me on that. Um, I'm not sure being the highest goal scorer in the 21s is as much of a uh, compliment as he thinks it is. <laughs> um, Kane, we're pretty convinced on. Sterling, I, I'd assume we're pretty sure on, and it's down to that third slot. Do as what? To who's I... the other guy? I, I wouldn't start Sterling. It's not whether we'd start him, though. It's we're, oh, yeah. You're pretty sure Southgate's going to, aren't you? Oh, he, yeah. It was that air shot in the Albania game where I was just I was done with him. It's, it's whether he goes Sancho, Rashford. I mean, I'm telling you Saka should be there, but I'm not sure <laughs> he agrees. Greenish. Greenish. Foden. Yeah. He did speak again. He did speak again about Grealish, um, and I, I meant to take down the exact quote, but he said the guys that aren't here have missed out on an opportunity to prove themselves. He's injured, he, man. He's injured. What? Can he... <laughs> you're not. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> you need to. Have, have no, you're his PA uh, now. That's it. He's not reading out. If I'm his PA, then uh, <laughs> he's having a tough time. I'm, yeah, I'm certainly not his PR. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, he doesn't sound too sold on Grealish. He seemed to backtrack a little on Grealish being your wide forward after saying originally that he's not a 10. So, I think he goes Rashford in that position. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I think he does. For where, sorry? That, that third position um, yeah. in, the, in the front three. I think he goes Sterling, Rashford, Kane. Oh yeah. If, if he carries on this form, well. he might put Jesse there. He did I, speak I, about Jesse and said that I could he's see giving it, him a selection headache. This whole trust thing, I mean, it kills me, but I think he might do it. I wouldn't be surprised if he took Lingard over Grealish. Grealish. He's not going to take Madison, I'll tell you that. No way, no, not a chance. No. Which is outrageous because um, he's a player, but he won't take him. I think Ward-Prowse is there. I thought he played quite well. Well, we've got the best crop of 10s that we've ever had and we play a system that actually doesn't have a 10 in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Incredible. Uh, uh, um, Southgate may think he is. Uh, Southgate's in the A.D. Boothroyd tier. I don't <laughs> think he should be getting ideas otherwise. <laughs> I can't believe we've got this crop of players in his management. <laughs> This whole qualification, I was what he's played a four twice. I think so, yeah. So it was most. I don't get. Pretty convinced already that he was going to play a five against San Marino for Christ's sake. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't Sam get some Marino a good side. Guys, but... Crushed. There's a reason people actually just remember the time they scored a goal against us. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure we bit seven past them after that. Um, so really, we think he's convinced on all but a couple of positions. Right back, a centre midfield partner for Rice, and one and the member in front. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think Rice and what he's done, and uh, as I said last week, he has charmed me recently. I'm starting to see more what we were being told about him by West Ham fans when he was just running around like Edward's chicken. <laughs> But I don't think it's a good look for Henderson. Not that Henderson's done anything wrong, but Southgate might think maybe we don't we don't need him. Or certainly we don't need him from the start. I think he'd be better off playing Mount Deeper with Rice. Just to add a bit more creativity in there. And then then you could put in a Foden or a Grealish in the tent. I think if 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 I'm in at the moment with the options, you play Jude Bellingham next to because yep. he's been playing deeper for he's been playing deeper for Dortmund. for a Champions League team. This, that's far too risky for Gareth. If yeah, for Gareth, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harper's saying he wants Jose as the next manager. <laughs> Sadistic. <laughs> I said when it all goes wrong for him, we will be his rock bottom. He can use us to get out, get out of trouble. So essentially, what we're saying is we we didn't learn anything new. Two defensive midfielders against Albania, I felt physically ill. <laughs> and as every minute ticked by in that game, I thought, why, why am I doing this? I think um, I wouldn't say starting, but I think Phillips definitely goes. My boy, yeah. But it's like we were celebrating the wins in in the World Cup, but the football we were playing was gash then. Come on. Uh, a lot of them were set piece goals, weren't they? We yeah, we oh, did, we, that we first game, the football was beyond belief. <laughs> if you've got a if you've got a bounce, Alex, uh, feel free. We won't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> nah, cheers, boys. Thanks, sir. See ya. We'll let the big boys finish this. The thing was, I thought the Albania game was the tougher watch, wasn't it? It was just classic. Horrible. Classic England and classic international football, really, where it's just slow to. At least with the San Marino game, I thought in the first half there was a bit of zip and pace to our passing, as there should be, obviously. But <laughs> at least there was some get intent. Out of the match there. Oh my God. They even <laughs> said on the commentary of the Albania game, as, a, as a, a good thing, they were like, yeah, he had 10 shots against San Marino. <laughs> he didn't score. <laughs> That's not good, lads. A man of the match award lots of box of celebrations as well. I don't know what they were dishing that out for. <laughs> You'd just be glad Lacazette wasn't about. <laughs> hey, you do a job in this England side. There's just, there's no, I don't sit down excited to watch England. And there are sometimes with City, I think you said it sometimes on a TK a bit like, at least with with City, probably up until about halfway through the season, they were at least going out and battering teams and making it interesting to watch. Now they score the first and they're like, 
do we really need to stroll? Yeah. And yeah, we certainly went. did that against Albania after the second one went in. Jesus Christ. I don't mean to bring them back up all the time, but the Invincibles, they're watching them, <laughs> watch against inferior teams. There was no foot off the, there was no foot off the gas. It was ruthless. This England team, they didn't play like they were ruthless in any of these games. They didn't play like, I'd more than happy tune in if we're just going to just put 10 past some horrible team, celebrate every single goal on the <laughs> USA women. I'm all for that. To be fair, the only time we did the only time we did do that was um, Panama in the World Cup. What a game, Sir Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think Lingard goes now. It's similar to watching Spurs, isn't it? It's like if your attack is overwhelmingly stronger than your defence, I don't know why you tailor the team to cover the inefficiency rather than (laughs) maximise the strengths. Yeah, it, it makes yeah, no sense sure. to seemingly anyone bar the two managers doing this. Have we got any, have we got another international break before the Euros? No, I think this oh. is the last. This is the last. Uh, I think there is friendlies, isn't there? Before, Ugh. but this is the actual last break. Does it annoy anyone else that they're still calling it Euro twenty twenty? <laughs> no, I actually like it. I, I actually had a concern about it. I don't like the. Uh, you don't want to see the, like the odd number in there. I don't, up, don't want yeah. that thrown in. Spins me a bit, but yeah. So I guess we said all this to say we've not learnt anything new. Just to express our unhappiness with it, really. Yeah. Um, or, or, merely an excuse to complain. I thought Chum was a Southgate defender, so I'm a bit disappointed. Mm. <laughs> I thought he was going to come back, Cigarra. No, no, no. My football Let's... manager saved Connor. He ends up at United, so uh, oh, God no. Be afraid. After think... all, he leaves to go to Madrid. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> do you think if he doesn't do well at the Euros, say I don't know, scrape through the group stage and go out in the last sixteen, do you think he keeps a job? I think we have to go out in the groups for him to lose the job. Really? World Cup next year as well. I, I know it's slightly different, but it's the same people making the decisions. They kept Tahiti Boothroyd after the last under-21's <laughs> failure and gave him a better group of players to do worse with this time. Yes, yeah, good they point. I mean, like, how Boothroyd got that job? Oh, my God. Coddling these blokes coming through uh, St. George's or whatever, isn't there? Like, I don't know what Capello did, but he just properly scarred them. And they're like, we cannot have a manager that is not an Englishman anymore. <laughs> Even if you want to do that, we didn't have to go to the last scene getting sacked by Northampton. No. <laughs> I don't think that's what we needed. Hey, Big Veng did say he'd love to manage England. Yeah. Wouldn't be against it. Would be all for it. I think we get Brendan in. I'm not sure he takes that job. Do you know? You either need a manager that is completely patriotic, like Southgate, Chris Wilder. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's that's my thinking. Is is, is Chris Wilder like no. the guy who's going to put the flag out of his window and on the top of his car, <laughs> and he, he, he's he's going to get some like soul cow joggers out around the training ground. And, Brings a ball to the training ground. Big Sam, basically. 
about the extracurricular yeah. activities. We should be thankful, really, that he's had another job to prove how garbage he is before the job comes back open. Because <laughs> I don't want that redemption arc coming in. <laughs> it's going to be someone at a lower half club that feels they can't take him any further. So it probably will be Deitch, Potter, the dreaded Eddie Howe. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be against Potter. I don't think he's going to want that. I think he wants a club, doesn't he? Maybe they look at Fat Frank. (laughs) Maybe maybe they do. Not good that I saw um, someone suggest Frank take over the uh, Nigeria job. Don't ask how I I saw this discussion. But... um, like the, the top reply was someone telling them like what have we ever done to you like <laughs> why would you even wish that disgusting mess upon us uh. so maybe maybe Stevie G comes in and gets lumps in as his assistant yep the skulls on a coaching role then you've got the right tears yeah yeah I'll do someone off that but have you, have you done, um, have you picked like your England 23 yet? We haven't done the oh, 23. Yeah. We, we did an 11. I tried to be a bit hipster of mine and nobody seemed like to you. go for it. Well, <laughs> I just asked for a bit of bite in our midfield and apparently that was outrageous. <laughs> who, who did you put in? Um, it was. Was Saka left? Grealish, it was Grealish next to Henderson. Okay. Where was Saka playing? Um, I think he was left back at the time. <laughs> You're ridiculous. You can't laugh. Luke, Luke Shaw was at the time of doing that podcast, tucking into his 40th nugget of the evening. <laughs> Similar to you then, as you were giving your team. I'm not getting paid 200 grand a week to be a footballer. Bring the nuggets my way. Actually, tucking it, into your filet of fish. I really wanted one of them my week off and uh, didn't get one unfortunately. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, There's only so much Southgate we can talk about. So Brazil brought in a rule this week. Um, Maybe they just wanted to spice up the international break. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So the Brazilian Syria authorities uh, brought in a change to their rules, which means that just one coach per season can be fired by any one club. This means that should a side hire a replacement for a sack coach, and their plight nevertheless continues, they will not be allowed to remove the tactician until the end of the season. Um, there is a slight kind of caveat there, and they say that the second coach can voluntarily leave, but at that point, the club would only be able to appoint someone that's already employed within the club. So it would need to be like your academy coach or something. Mm. So they're saying that maybe... If you think you're a bit of a reckless club, you are basically just going to pay some manager to be on a retainer with your academy or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is the way they're already trying to work around it. But if you think that we've had some rash clubs over here, I mean, Watford, obviously, are the standout one. There's a lot of musical chairs there. Um, but that's like a drop in the ocean compared to this uh, Brazilian top division. In 2020, they saw 27 managerial changes in one season, not including <laughs> caretaker managers. 
2019 it was 25 and in 2018 there was 29 so you can see that they they don't play games um, my word a couple of bad games and you get the hell out of there so you look over here where we think we're quite ruthless i mean we had uh, memorial services going on when Frank got the chop. <laughs> Hassan Hootles presided over two 9-0 defeats and still retains the faith of his club board. Um, Solskjaer has not won a trophy at Old Trafford. I, I said of the managers, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he should have been sacked, but I'm saying if you compare this to Brazil, mm. then we're not as bad. Um, Solskjaer has not won a trophy at Old Trafford, but he'd get a contract extension. We're not as ruthless as we perhaps think we are when you when you look at Brazil where, as I said, it's like a saloon door. So do you think this is a good idea when you look at some of these clubs like Watford, etc.? I think it's a good idea, yeah. I think it's something which they probably should bring in, but as you said, there's always ways around it. Um as you said, they'll it probably bring, too much they'll bring ask, someone in as a coach and then they can, the, somehow the manager will voluntarily leave for whatever reason and then they can just promote the coach up. But yeah, yeah they're, still kind of, um, they're still kind of working the, 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 the small print of this. It doesn't come in until next season, so they may iron some of these bits out. But um, mm-hmm. uh the two top teams there were the only ones that uh, vocally rejected this. Um, <laughs> it, it has gone through. Um, doesn't seem too much to ask to say, don't go through three managers a season. <laughs> I, I wonder with it whether it could, in an odd way, kind of promote sacking your manager. Because you've kind of got a situation here where a club's kind of got a quota, where it's sort of like, <laughs> I've got one, I've got, I can do this once. You kind of almost, there's almost like a, a transfer trade deadline feel about it in terms of you've got this one card that you can sort of play at any point. It's like a real life wild card. I don't think any of us profess to be kind of connoisseurs in the Brazilian division, but they've clearly, it must be like a merry-go-round there because they've also put the rule in that no manager can manage more than two teams in one season. So I don't know if they literally are just hopping between clubs. Oh, my word. Like Big Sam's doing like all three relegated teams in, in one season. But clearly this was an issue that needed to be looked at. They're looking at Big Sam like some sort of one-club man. But yeah, he stays places forever. So, I mean... It at least means usually it just takes one club to one league to kind of start this, and then maybe it comes over to England, or maybe they do something else. Where the thing is with with England, it's not like it happens all the time. It's just certain clubs, (laughs) certain clubs, yeah, Chelsea, Watford. Well, ours has sort of uh, stifled a little bit compared to a few years ago as well. I know, obviously, this last year. The numbers were a little bit down, probably partly due to the pandemic as well, but we aren't quite hitting the crazy heights we were once upon a time. No, we we sacked one manager. Arteta had that awful spell and people are saying, look, Arsenal aren't going to look like a team that just sacks their manager for anything. As if, as if other teams <laughs> weren't far more ruthless. I think we're just used to it with, with some more than others. So. 
maybe if they did it over a certain period of time, then like Chelsea have used their quota and they're down and they've got like you've got five that you can have within ten years in two seasons down the line, Chelsea have got one left to use. But maybe you've got encourage, one. Uh, sorry. You can give him Pepe Mel at the end of it. He's like, right, you've, <laughs> got to, you've got to stick with him forever now. Sorry. <laughs> they say Pepe that Mel. they just want things to be put in place so that it is more of a career rather than it just being like a short-term thing. And they think it'll be beneficial to the league if managers can implement. It sounds like they desperately need that, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Until it probably happens to one of the big teams and then it'll be revisited. But there we go. So I think that does uh, Connor. Um, I mean, we still got UFC to talk about. I don't know. Uh, you you haven't seen it, have you? So I haven't. No, I've seen obviously the results, um, but I haven't actually managed to watch any of it yet. So I'll probably watch some of the highlights tonight. Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw yeah. the the KO and Ghana KO, yeah. and <sighs> the Sugar Show KO as well. Yeah. Best, yeah. Uh, best tweet I saw all weekend was. Uh, Ratsis and Garni learning to wrestle is like Happy Yoma learning to putt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's... we'll uh, yeah. we'll wave goodbye to you and me and TK will uh, finish things off. Enjoy the rest of the show. Pleasure as always. <laughs> as always, and um, look forward to um, seeing Southgate use my team on the first uh, <laughs> first game against Czech Republic. You will as well. Um, I'll say it now, just so no one else uses his idea. Goff has actually asked uh, to put his idea out to the world that he claims he has the scoop on uh, Haaland's future. Uh, He says he stays at Dortmund this summer. Next season, Bayern Munich pay his release clause and uh, Lewandowski goes the opposite way to return to Dortmund and have one last hurrah with uh, Marco Royce. So if that happens, remember Goff told you. Where where's he got this scoop from? Is this just his idea? Um he has inside sources, I believe, at Dortmund. Does he actually? Oh, Sancho's auntie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so keep an eye out. We've had we've had the new bond revealed on this pod, we've had Luke Shaw's fast food habits revealed on this pod. We've had Hammers Rodriguez to Everton revealed. Look, <laughs> Anything can happen. When we dish these scoops out, just remember. But adios. Adios. Good night. See you in a bit, boys. See you And there were two. All right. If we run through UFC 260 then. so This is like a horror it, film. Which one of us is dying next? Yeah. <laughs> Well, if we start at the top of the card and we just referenced Francis Ngannou, um, changing of the guard here at UFC 260, Ngannou, so most things are saying displayed enhanced fight skills, uh, an all-round game. I think collectively you heard like a gasp around the world when Miocic got in deep on a takedown attempt. And then Ngannou literally did the perfect thing fought the hands, swiveled round to the back and then actually ended up taking Stipe down. How, Imagine what, what was going through your mind when you saw that? 
I was thinking, imagine what's going through Stipe's mind. Oh my God, <laughs> what, what is this? Well, he took about eight shots on the way back up. I don't know how he stayed up from that alone. Um, no, that should have cleaned him out, shouldn't it? Those ones where he had his bat turned to him. Oof. Yeah. Um, just as an impressive a performance for Nganu as he could have gotten without getting beyond the jab for five rounds and uh, putting on a clinic. Um, mm. He showed why he is the closest thing to a Mike Tyson that uh, you've seen in the UFC. Not so much the kind of anyone that throws an uppercut gets called Mike Tyson these days, but <laughs> just that he's the closest where no matter who he's fighting, he should, if the UFC promote him properly, be at the stage where people that aren't fans of the UFC are still turning in to see Stipe. He's a 260-pound heavyweight beast with knockout power. Like You can't ask for anything more as a promoter. No, he's no, got it's the perfect. backstory to go with it. Perfect. Should should go through the roof now, shouldn't he? He should have done. That was you know the plan with the first one, wasn't it? He was being talked about as the the yeah. baddest man on the planet at that point, and obviously Stipe got the result. Um, and the rest is history. And the Derek Lewis fight, and then sort of stunted his progress again, didn't it? And you thought, yeah, is this ever going to be? Why can you ever rebuild that really? Because once. We've seen it before. Once that sort of that run gets put to an end, it's very hard to get the momentum back up again. Uh, but, but he has done. And you now look at it as, aside from the John Jones fight, yeah. you don't really have anyone else even half a chance against him. Well, it didn't help that that press conference where he was kind of hyped to the biggest Danis head. You know, he hits as hard as a Ford Bondeo if you drive it at full speed. Like... <laughs> He's, he just, it didn't sound impressive for something that is obviously very impressive. Day of what? Yeah. Um, the fight was brilliant, obviously. Just him lifting the belt. I love seeing that, um, unless you bet against the person. But when you see that person like win the belt for the first time, and we do miss it sometimes in boxing because there are so many belts that, and certainly the hype is there for some that. Say so for someone like Anthony Joshua, when he won his first belt, it was like, right, cool. Now, when's he unifying? When's he doing this, doing that? Mm, and so yeah. it was nice to see someone actually have to work for the belt, have the momentum, stifled, come back, and then just to be genuinely happy to be winning the heavyweight title. Yeah, and be, obviously be the guy doubting the L pretty comprehensively. Yeah. Was, sounds good. And in partly answering some of the questions we had about him, about the takedown defence, about the fact he did it in round two. I know it's not deep into the fight, but to be honest, he looked like he was breathing heavy already. So you thought it could easily have been on his mind, oh, here we go again. He had his mouth open from about three minutes in, didn't he? He did. I I thought once Steve had got through that first round, I thought, okay, we we could have history just repeating itself here. Yeah, I saw Stipe getting some criticism saying like he didn't come to win and all this when I think even the last fight was the same pretty clearly the game plan was do anything to survive the first round just at least make him do some work and then we'll get our game plan in yeah it just um, so happened that the damage was done in round one really i don't know the uh the thing was they were saying in the post i was just saying that you know he kind of got greedy and jumped in but he did hurt and got it yeah when he, when he did buzz him, the leg's different it's just on this way in he then gets caught with a well, left hook that's himself freakish as well up. because Miocic will have struggled 
to land a cleaner punch. Like, that's cleaner than any punch he really landed on DC. He, he managed to get all of his weight behind it because he came back forward and put all his weight down and punched through Ngannou. And he just took it like a champ. And it's the same yeah, with John it. Jones we're about to speak about. When you have a guy that's this talented and they have a chin, it's just unfair. We've said it before, haven't we? Yeah. That, and we've said, how often is it with fights? We like it that you kind of, it's like a, a sort of a PlayStation game where you're yeah. assigning attributes and there's always something that's missing normally. And like, like you said about, if Ngarni learns wrestling as well, then we're in a big, big trouble. Yeah. Well, I liked, um, so he's been working with uh, Kamara Usman, who he said doesn't even so much train him. He, he's, he's just gives him a feeling of comfort there. They've become mm. friends since uh, I think they entered the USC at similar times. They had the dream of um, both being uh, African champions. I, I think the USC, I don't know the logistics of, of where specifically they go, but if they don't go to Africa and put on a show, then they've dropped the ball big time there when you've got three African-born champions. Mm. Yeah, um, for sure. Like there's some footage of uh, them celebrating. Uh, and yeah, I saw that. It was good, wasn't so, it? But this immediately after they put John Jones's tweet up at the bottom of the screen saying, show me the money, which I didn't think was outrageous. Dana seemed to think so, which we'll get on to. Um, straight away, John Jones is saying, I want the fight. They were saying in the whole build-up to this that the winner's going to face John Jones for the heavyweight title at the end of the year. Um, then they actually started the press conference while the show was still going on because they put the tweet up at the bottom of the screen, I think just as the broadcast was signing off, where Dana said, if I was John Jones now, I'd go I'd go down to 185. <laughs> and it's just, it was, it's just weird. because He, he is an whole, odd one, isn't he? He spent the entire press conference, so they, they said to him, I watched a press conference back, one of the first things they asked him is, I assume that John Jones fight is what makes the most sense to be next and he said well I think if you're talking about what makes sense then the Derek Lewis fight's next <laughs> and I thought what are, are you talking about and then he's and then they say I don't know if you saw John Jones tweeted uh, as soon as he won um, seemed, seemingly calling for the fight saying show me the money and Dan was like um, well you see that does he really want the fight look I can say I want to fight Francis, but if you pay me a hundred million, then yeah, I'll do it. It's like I don't think. I mean, there's a lot of things you can say about John Jones. And it, when you look at his track record, this seems strange to say. When it comes to the fight game, I don't think he's an idiot. I don't think he's asking for five hundred million. Like I think he quite rightfully is asking for a pay rise to take place in what everyone on the broadcast called the biggest fight in mixed martial arts history. Him stepping up a weight for the belt after vacating about to do it and as we've seen with other fighters out of Sanya last weekend, just the process of moving up a weight is time consuming and hard work in itself. I don't know why Dana thinks it's so outrageous that he wants more cash. This is what he does, though, isn't it? It's what he does. Yes. Yeah. Um, call it bullying tactics. Call it what you want. Um, 
I, I absolutely agree with you in terms of Jones should be asking for more money and should get it as well. Um, he's, you know, for someone who is in the argument for being the greatest of all time, um, yeah. should be paid more accordingly. And I think he could have built himself better, but I do think the USC could have built him better. John Jones should be, I don't know, 200 times bigger than he is in terms yeah. of his, his sort of stardom. And, uh, you know, the, I'm reluctant to sort of give him the praise, but could you imagine what someone like Eddie Hearn would be doing with him? Yeah. For well, example. It, and, and what would he be doing with this fight? Literally, Ngannou wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have just got the belt around his waist before Hearn was banging, on, banging yeah. the drum for that fight. And instead, Dana sort of pissed on the fire that they're trying to build. Yeah. It, it really, it ruined it for me because I, I was so pumped up. I didn't, I didn't yeah. sleep. I didn't sleep until I'd gone 8 a.m. that morning. <laughs> I was just so hyped up. Um, and then I sat up and I watched the whole press conference. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was like he couldn't have dampened the fire any more. If he, he looked tried. like a miserable blow, didn't he? In the, in the press, <laughs> yeah, he, he just kept going on and saying it, it doesn't help that. The UFC is, and I think part of the allure for us is that it does feel a bit dirty. The UFC, like it doesn't quite strictly play by the rules. There's no other organisation that's going back to fans and having in their terms and conditions. Essentially, if you die, don't sue us. There's no one that's <laughs> no, no it's going true. and doing Fight Island when no one else is doing live sports. There's no one else doing this kind of thing, and it's it's part of the charm of the UFC that it, it it's what. Everyone assumes it is when you say the words cage fighting to people. And yeah, it is Wild West. So it works for them that John Jones isn't this mega superstar. It kind of Conor McGregor took a mind of its own and they've tried to dampen that fire quite a few times. They don't they've need... said before, haven't they, that they don't want basically another one like him because yeah. the lack of control they can have over that. But the thing is, it's like you, you, you used to hear Biggie say uh, things. I think it's one of the Ten Crack Commandments, actually, where <laughs> essentially says like, no matter how much you're making, no matter how well you're doing, you don't tell people, look how well I'm doing. You you, you don't do this, and it's an age-old thing. If you say how much money someone's bringing in for you they're probably going to ask for a piece of that pie and calling it the biggest fight ever and all of this, you can't bill it as that and then not pay like it's all this is. And John Jones tweeted, he was like, it, it, it's pretty basic business acumen. Like you speculate to accumulate, you put the money into me to make this fight, knowing that more people are going to pay to see this fight. And so you get your money back. Yeah, yeah, and when you think what his purse is going to take compared to the money the UFC are going to make, it's not, you know, they're still going to make an absolute killing on yeah. this thing. So it's well, it a, it's a, a businessman being greedy, isn't it? It says a lot that um, I saw someone say Jones wants 20 million, and I thought there's no way he's asking for that mm. because there's no way they're paying him that. I think he probably wants. Somewhere between five and ten, which isn't McGregor numbers, but it's probably as close as you're going to get to it. Um, mm. The UFC's issue is that 
they do these contracts where if they offer John Jones this, uh, so say they pay him for it, they'll put him in, say, a four-fight deal because they don't want to risk giving him the one-fight deal and saying, we'll only pay you this amount once because this fight is what it is. And then he wins the belt and says, well, I don't really need the UFC anymore. I'm a massive star. I can go somewhere else. So then they're locked in with this. And it's the issue they have with several fighters. So they're going to re- renegotiate a new deal for him. But you, you can't dangle that carrot and then make the Derek Lewis fight, especially after what the fight was like last time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As much as we both probably put our money on saying that's not going to happen again, it's a hard promotional one to sell. <laughs> Once you've seen it, it's hard to unsee, isn't it? Yeah. And we'd love to unsee it if we could. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do. If, if if you had, as I always say, if if you were given 50 grand and you said you have to put this on whether John Jones, Steve Miocic, uh, John Jones, Francis Ngannou's next, which side would uh, your money be on? I would say that it will get made, uh, mainly through limited other options. I think, um, I think Dana may just be playing hardball. Doesn't look good, but I think it could be part of it. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just I don't see from John's point of view what's in it for him for going against a contender. I don't think there's much point. I think get straight to the head of the queue. And from yeah. the UFC's point of view, like you said, anything else is a really hard sell with a guy who has just become. If he wasn't already a superstar, a superstar by getting the belt, you, you could you can hope that Adesanya losing to Blahovic taught them a lesson. When you've got these fights here, don't don't fumble it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because just as easily, Derek Lewis can come in and stink the gap next time out, and you lose the fight. And John Jones against Derek Lewis doesn't have the same effect where no, no, not at all. Seen, what's his name? We've seen Latifi wrestle him for two and a half rounds. Yeah. So you, you don't lose that if you're the UFC. You can't lose it. I guess it remains to be seen. By the People way, saying sorry, I was about to say just the the thing about Jones being smart in terms of the business, not being well, certainly not being stupid. You said. I think yeah. the Adesanya one is such a, a drop of the ball on his part. It's yeah. almost mind-blowing. Just You hang around there, you wait for him to come up, you do presumably what Blahovic did. You take yeah. all that money and then you go up to heavyweight. But look, you, can't, yeah. uh, you can't always get it right, I guess. He tweeted, um, and he said that if you look at his brother, his brother won the Super Bowl and then he went and got his money. And it's pretty much here. Jones is saying, look, he said, I can retire now and I'm a Hall of Famer and still probably no one's going to touch my accomplishments. But you need me just as much as I need you. And it's probably a good thing there are people there to prevent Dana's ego just doing that. But I don't know. I I saw some suggesting that Jones was unhappy that Ngarni won. He was hoping it was going to be Stipe and then come straight out and do that. I do think Jones is the ultimate competitor. And in fact, it is getting him excited the fact that Ngarni is being seen. It's absolutely yeah. monster now that people are saying you can't win. And he said, People are forgetting I've got a decent chin. I'm not sure he's been punched by anyone like Ngarni, but no, somebody's no. saying, he said, 
he's slow considering the people that aren't used to being hit by. And you've seen Stipe wrestling. So he said, you forget Stipe lost to DC. Stipe, and I'm not sure MMA maths, but he did point out. He said, look, Stipe lost DC. Look what I did to him. Mm. You can't tell me that I have no chance against this guy. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I think he's uh, he's enjoying the fact that people will be writing him off. What was it Garni's last one before? Because he was tweeting during that, wasn't he? He said he thought it'd be easy work for him. So I don't, yeah, I don't quite agree was, with those who say he, thought, he uh, didn't want him. It was Rosenstrike, wasn't it? Where he yeah, had the one yeah, where he just charged forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't agree with yeah those who say Jones is scared or whatever. And I think... It, in terms of his back pocket, I'm sure this has worked out better than the Stipe yeah. fight, which obviously, historically, would be a great fight, the best ever light heavy against the best ever heavy. Yeah. Um, but I do think to a wider audience, Ngannou's highlight reel is just yeah. going to sell even better, isn't it? The best thing for us might be all these people tweeting Jones telling me scared. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, outside of that, then, also on the card, we had... Um, was it we had Tyrone Woodley in the chief support um in an exciting fight yeah people say it finally happened Woodley's look for ages isn't great because it, he just <laughs> it was literally finally threw a punch um yeah. so former welterweight champ he's now lost four consecutive fights um hasn't won a round in any of those due to the fact he was finished in the first round here um there was the argument coming into this one. Look, he's lost to the top three guys in the world. All the respect to Luke, he's not that. Um... So he did come out and gave it a try, which, as much as it wasn't nice, was betting on Luke. It's what we've at least been asking for in the previous fights. At least come out, you hit as hard as anyone in the division, throw a punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did come out and do that, and it just so happens that he picked the wrong guy to do that with. <laughs> um, is just a killer. Like, I, I look back, and it's a bit of a shameless plug, but we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> so in his, in his first uh, run in the UFC, up until he lost his first fight, and I can't remember who it was to, I think it was Leon Edwards, actually, but by the time he had that fight... Um, he'd had a bonus in a third of his UFC fights. I asked that to him and he said, like, it's not even something he really thinks about. It's just his style is just perfectly made for picking up bonuses because he brings the fight no matter who he's against. The amount of times we've watched him where his opponents pulled out at the last minute and they put him in against these newcomers where he should really turn his nose up, but he just comes in and starches them in two minutes because he just loves to fight. Um, yeah, exactly. He said uh, he said this to me in other interviews that when he was younger, um, he actually used to see a psychologist when he first started uh, fighting because the first time he hit someone, if they didn't go down, he was like, what the hell do I do now? Um, <laughs> the first time someone even kind of tried hitting him back, it was like, he would freeze. And he said once he got over that, he... he just loves that kind of fight. So he's had the war with Mike Perry. He's had the war with uh, Brian Barbarena. Two guys who really is much better than, and it shouldn't have been that, but it's just what he does. And this time... Nico second, Price as well was on there. Yeah. 
The yes. second he beat Wood, uh, Nico Price twice. The second yeah. Woodley caught him properly. Most people, it's instinct is you back off and you kind of recover. But his is obviously you're not expecting me to be hitting back at this point, so less swing. It's what um, Cody Garbrandt thinks he is. <laughs> yeah, but Luke does. Luke has the chin to That's back it. it up, and he's... That's what I mean. He can do it. <laughs> Ame Khan's a rough comparison for anyone when you're complimenting their chin, but we used to always say, didn't we, that before maybe the highlight knockout, even if it was going to come, one of the most impressive things was his powers of recovery. Yeah. And Luke yeah, yeah. is one of them where he does get buzzed at almost every fight, but him gritting down on his uh, mouthpiece, he, he does just get straight back to business and it's onto it. And, and I love it when the fighters kind of wound the person and then they do take the submission and snatch it up. Not when yeah. it's like the third round, but when it's like that and they're just shelling up, him taking his neck there was just beautiful. Yeah, it's perfect, wasn't it? Perfect, uh, perfect fight for Luke, actually. Yeah. People were writing him off because he lost to Wonderboy and it's like a guy whose style is come forward and swing there's literally he's like the worst person you can be in there with and Wonderboy is just so different to everyone else isn't he that's, that's going to happen it's going to yeah, be Wonderboy still didn't finish him and he put a beat down on him mm. Mm. so he's going to be fun whoever, whoever you see him in with that might be to his detriment he might not get another big fight straight away because there's going to be someone in that division they can't get a fight for and they'll probably chuck him in there but fun to watch regardless if Usman um, carries on like he is, you think at some point you get the you get the yeah. nod, don't you? Because people will be bored and they'll want to see they'll want to see something different. And Luke yeah. is certainly different, at least. Um, well, that division for a start, the the only guys that we're really looking at is a Colby rematch um, and Leon Edwards. So mm. all you got to do yeah. is keep doing your bit. Uh, the, the only the other real highlight it was, a, it was a bit of a rough card, but we did have some highlights towards the end. Um, Sean O'Malley, he, he was quite disgruntled in his interview after he said, people seem to think now you just kicked me in the leg once uh, and I'm done. <laughs> and he mocked it afterwards. He he is just a superb striker, isn't he? And if he keeps it on the feet with anyone, you've got issues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's great to watch as well, isn't he? He's um... Yeah. And look before that, before the injury in the last fight and the stoppage, which is a fair stoppage, the, his again was such a rising star. You thought this guy could be a kind of a superstar in his own right. Yeah. And he hasn't, you know, hasn't really done anything hugely yet in, in the UFC. Uh, Did Dana say it? Like he, he just gets it, doesn't he? He gets the marketing. Yeah. It was part of the reason he tried doing the walk off in the first round, which another referee may have jumped in, but. I've seen him get some flack for that, but I can kind of get it. And like you said, he, he doesn't. He certainly knows how to brand himself almost better. Yeah. Anyone not called McGregor, really. He's, he's nailed a, it. He's a very weird guy. Like, he's, cer- he's strangely he's honest, but he he's himself, which we do ask a lot of people to be. I mean, you don't mind if he's less himself sometimes. Well, he's been open about the fact that. Uh, him and his wife or girlfriend, uh, they are exclusive to each other, which. I mean, he's just had a kid, so... Yeah, even more weird now they've had the kid. Yeah. Like, this is an odd set now. He was quite... I mean, he was quite pleased and open to saying about that to uh, Brendan Shaw. I mean, the yeah. hair says a lot. 
he his podcast is essentially like if all of us were famous and successful athletes but carried on saying <laughs> some of the conversations we have on here. Yeah. That I is. mean he was on the podcast on embedded he was talking about how hot he thinks Katzingano is and all this kind of thing. And, <laughs> and then he had Casey Kenny on his podcast last time where they were yeah, asking yeah. That, I mean Megan Anderson would you <laughs> Uh, and then Casey Kenny was saying, look, maybe if I was really drunk, and he did a podcast after that where usually you'd think you'd be cancelled for that kind of thing. And he was like, well, I, I don't know why she was that offended. He said he would. He just said he would just need a couple of drinks first. <laughs> I feel like O'Malley got no heat for it as well. I know Casey Kenny had to come and apologise, didn't he? I feel like O'Malley just didn't what? get the heat for it. The flack usually goes to his coach because they say he's just like his lapdog, but. They referenced it on the broadcast that it can be to your detriment when he loses and they'll say it's because he hasn't got the elites around him, but he essentially has it catered to him there. He's built his own gym. He bought his own octagon and all of this where he just has everything right there for him. So he's just constantly getting better. Yeah, and I know he seems... uh a little annoyed by the stuff about his leg and all that. But I kind of should lean into it a little bit because having a bit of vulnerability, is, as we said before, is a good selling point. And if people yeah. are going into every fight, you're thinking, well, what, what's going to happen if that leg gets hit? It's, people are tuning in. Well, I said, I said to Rory uh, last night and I was looking at the rankings in the division and I said to him, Pedro Munoz might actually be the worst matchup for him. And that's not me saying he beats everyone else that's above him in the division. Um, so where's he ranked? Uh, he might not actually be ranked. Um, no, I don't think he is. So in that division, I mean, you've got Chito Vero's in at 15. You've got Kyla Phillips, Cody Stamen, Morab, Jimmy Rivera, Dominic Cruz, Frankie Edgar, Marlon Moraes, Aldo, Garbrandt. Rob Font, Sandhagen, Jan and Sterling. Jan, I think, would be disgusting if Jan <laughs> goes hands on him. But if we take him out and we kind of still class him as the champ, Pedro Munoz is probably the worst style for him. For one, whether, whether he says about his legs or not, he's a good leg kicker as there is in that division. And you've got Jose Aldo with that division as well. Mm. His chin is ridiculous. Where you say Garbrandt is one of the biggest punches in that division, and he just ate Garbrandt's punches and Walked then just him, yeah. doubled down and slumped him after. That fight would be, I mean, Jan against Munoz would be unreal. But I, I think if he has the choice, it's one where he could look very good until he doesn't because you can't really get behind your jab against Pedro for three rounds because he is going to get to you at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it'd be fun seeing him against any of the others. So There's fun matches to be made the whole down that division, isn't there? You could see yeah. them trying to do a crossroads fight with Cruz. You could see that. Yeah. I know him and Garbrandt have obviously had a bit of back and forth. That would be kind of crazy to watch someone's going there, yeah. aren't they? So, I think fun. It's probably not good for them that Aldo's started to... Like we thought he was done, and then suddenly he's not. Even after the beating from uh, Jan, because they may have tried to kind of squeeze that one in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, be a nightmare for Baby Valdovins at cleaning them yeah. out, wouldn't it? That was really the highlights of the card. Those, those top three there, um, and we've got a week without any uh, late night fights this week. There's in the boxing, you've got Carl Frampton, but other than that, there's there's nothing this weekend. No. So March Madness, it'll have to be. Um, after Rory's just won our bracket already in uh, quite <laughs> fashion, actually. <laughs> um, it's not even a late night fight when he comes back because it's um, till there's the Tory and they've put it on UK time. Oh boy. So we got a countdown till April 24th, then that's when we got Uzman Masvidal 2 and that card there. I don't know if you saw today they've made um, Tony Ferguson against Dariush. Okay. Which is a hell of a fight. Mm. And they made uh, Shane Burgos against Barboza as well. Sheesh. So we've got we've got some good fights coming. And July 10th, you do have uh, Dustin Connor 3. Is that locked in for that, is it? Uh, for that weekend. Helwani said that it's in the works. Uh, right. Dustin put he tweeted out July 10th yesterday and uh, John Kavanagh put a uh, uh, it's happening the office gift so uh, okay looks like that's uh, that's going to be done and uh, maybe they want to book that John Jones fight before they hear McGregor talking about how much he's being paid even after coming off a loss <laughs> yeah true so there we go um, but that that does do us for this week. So if I quickly ask you for our movie madness matchups, didn't ask Alex today. We've got three tough ones. First one, Deadpool against 300. People are saying it's the toughest matchup to call that we've had so far on the bracket. I've, yeah, I could see that. Very, very different, obviously. Uh, I'll go with Deadpool. It's close. Uh, training day against Die Hard 3. Oh, my God. Oh, that's brutal. I'll go with training day. And Laura Biden, Citizen against Terminator 2. You are right. This is tough. Tough week. I'll go with Laura Biden, Citizen. All right. We'll see if Sean recovers from his cold by then. But that does us for this week. Tune in Friday to hear the results and the podcast for those. We'll be back. Goodbye.